From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Ernson. This is your news for Thursday, December 7th. Across the Southwest, the cost of having water piped to your home is likely to go up. City utilities have been replacing infrastructure that's getting old and investing in new systems that'll help them survive a drier future. KUNC's Alex Hager has more. There's an excavator digging up the asphalt and a crew in neon vests loading bright blue PVC pipes into the ground. Jimmy Luthi, a spokesman for Denver Water, is watching them replace a 77-year-old water main with a new one. He says the agency is replacing miles of pipe to prevent future breaks. That's really the goal, is to, is to get out and be proactive and upgrade the system as much as we can. He says Denver Water has planned nearly $2 billion in upgrades over the next decade. We plan so far out because we're not, we're not just trying to deliver water for the next few years. We want to be able to continue 50, 100 far into the future. All the expensive work, Luthi says, is worth it. But it does mean water users will see gradual increases to their bills. In Denver, the average monthly bill will only go up a couple dollars a year. But those rising costs are part of a larger trend that's happening all across the Southwest, where cities that boomed after World War II are finally seeing their water systems get old. All of this is very expensive infrastructure. It's concrete, it's iron, it's steel. Catherine Sorensen is the former director of Phoenix Water. It needs to be replaced, and the cost of all those materials, the cost of labor, the cost of doing construction have all gone up. Sorensen is now a researcher at Arizona State University. She says replacing old water systems is the main driver of price increases. But with shrinking supplies in the Colorado River, cities are also putting big money into new systems. They will try to lessen their dependence on Colorado River water or or make that the Colorado River water they do have go further. And that means investments in alternatives that are far more expensive. That kind of forward thinking is on display in Castle Rock, Colorado, where underground aquifers are drying up and water director Mark Marlowe is trying to get ahead of the problem. His department has already spent more than $200 million on securing more water, including new filtration equipment. That is a a cost to doing advanced treatment and providing that really high quality water supply. But for us, given the water supplies we're treating, it's absolutely imperative that we have this technology. Castle Rock, a fast-growing suburb between Denver and Colorado Springs, has installed extra sets of rigorous filters that will allow them to cycle water through their system over and over, getting at least three extra uses out of each drop and stretching out finite supplies. Marlowe is standing under huge metal tanks that hold carbon purifiers as he explains how his city's big spending can also be stretched out. Bottom line is you've got this long-term capital plan and you're making sure you're spreading those costs out over a reasonable period of time so folks can afford it. Castle Rock has already modeled out water rates through the year 2065. But not every city has the capacity to plan like that or even upgrade its water system at all. Even in an age with billions of dollars in federal spending set aside just for water utilities, small cities and towns might not have the time or expertise to apply for it. If your water utility staff is three guys in a pickup truck, there's nobody that has time to fill out those forms. They're, they're busy just trying to keep the system running. Manny Teodoro is a professor of public affairs at the University of Wisconsin. He says smaller, more rural communities, the ones that need the most help to begin with, are the least likely to get it. I think the, this federal funding can do a lot of good, but it's certainly nothing close to a solution for the long-term problems. And those problems will be long-term. How each city responds 
That will make the difference that shows up on your water bill. I'm Alex Hager. An innovative program is seeking to restore degraded meadows and ranch lands across the Rocky Mountain West. KVNF's Lisa Young has this report. According to a recent article in the Fence Post, Colorado State University, along with several partners, are utilizing a low-tech method to help ranchers restore degraded meadows and ranch lands in Colorado. CSU researcher Renee Rondeau, who works with Colorado Natural Heritage Program, has spent the past decade documenting how strategically placing rocks and wooden poles in the meadows of Gunnison County's Sagebrush Hills can slow down water flow, reconnect the floodplain, and increase wetland plant cover, sometimes as much as 40%. This first site we worked on, we had, for example, we had almost 60 structures that we put in in about one mile. Rondeau says her research team monitored every fourth or fifth structure to determine what plant species were thriving or declining. She says the goal was to increase the amount of wetland plants in the area while also hoping to see a decrease in invasive plant species. And if it's working, right, if these structures are really holding the water, our wetland plants should increase in cover. And that's exactly what we saw. While Rondeau admits the technique isn't right for every stream bed in the state and won't solve the overwhelming magnitude of climate change, the technique does show promise for the future. Anything we can do to improve the resiliency to drought is one of the best things we can do to adapt hotter and drier climate. The technique of placing rock structures and wooden poles into streams was used by Native Americans and later adopted by renowned environmentalist Bill Zedike, head of Zedike Ecological Consulting and a former U.S. Forest Service employee. If you were talking to Bill, he would like, this isn't a true science. This is, there's some art associated with it. And the people that build these structures are almost all volunteers, right? It's amazing. They can, they can become very artistic in how they place the rocks, where they place them. As we think about the ongoing super drought in the West and the increasing shadow of climate change, Rondo says taking every opportunity, no matter how small, to become more drought resilient is a must. That's what I like about this is that it is simple, and while it may seem small, it has a big impact. Once you've built some of these structures and you've really looked at these streams, you will never look at a stream bed the same way again. For KVNF, I'm Lisa Young. The number of people without health insurance in Colorado has reached a record low, according to a new report. KGNU's John Kellen has this report. A survey by the Colorado Health Institute says the state's uninsured rate fell to 4.6% in 2023. It's been around 6.5% since 2015. But the group says while it's the lowest level since their surveys began, the numbers don't reflect the end of the public health emergency that led to millions of people nationwide being dropped from Medicaid rolls. That's about 300,000 people in Colorado. The state says those people are gradually having their Medicaid renewed. For KGNU, I'm John Kelly. On Tuesday, the Department of the Interior announced it has returned 3 million acres to Native American tribes. 
Clark Adamitis of KSUT and KSJD has this story. The General Allotment Act of 1887 allowed tribal lands to be allotted to individual tribal members. As ownership of those lands was divided among heirs and descendants, historic tribal geographies became a checkerboard of private, state, and federal trust lands. In 2012, as part of a legal settlement, the federal government began buying lands to return them to tribal ownership. Since then, the U.S. has spent $1.6 billion to return land to tribes in 15 states. $400 million of that funding was spent to restore more than 200,000 acres to the Navajo Nation. The so-called Land Buyback Program received its final appropriation of funding in November 2022. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, December 7th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.